Welcome to Do Hard Things with the Revolution. Do you want to rise above mediocrity and live your life sold out for the glory of God? Do you want to do hard things, make your life count, and use your teen years for Christ? Here at the Revolution, we know that navigating life as a Christian teen can be tough. Our hope with this podcast is to share biblical truth and provide real, honest, and relatable answers to your hardest questions. So with that in mind, let's dive right into the latest episode of Do Hard Things with the Revolution. Hey, what's up, podcast world? Welcome to another episode of Do Hard Things with the Revolution. I'm your host, Sarah Barrett, and I'm joined today by a very special guest, Paula Hendricks Marsteller. Paula is the author of the book, Confessions of a Boy Crazy Girl. So surprise, surprise, we're going to be talking all about being boy crazy today. Or for you guys turning in, you can translate that as being girl crazy, I guess. And Paula is going to share all of the details. And I'm even going to ask her for a few embarrassing stories from her journey from neediness to freedom. So uh, Paula, I hope you're all right with sharing those embarrassing tidbits with us, which I know that I'm kind of looking forward to hearing, (laughs) but uh, Paula is no longer a boy crazy girl, but she is now a happily married wife and the mom of two precious boys. And I can also say from personal experience that she is just a lovely person because I actually first met Paula, I think it was seven years ago or so, like, wow, time absolutely flies, uh, at a girls' conference, and she was such a sweet inspiration to me at the time. So it's an honor to be talking to you today, Paula. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. I'm so glad for the opportunity, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so obviously you wrote a book with a very interesting title, Confessions of a Boy Crazy Girl. So you have a story there to tell, but first, why don't you kind of get us caught up, if you can, um, from boy crazy girl to the author of a book about being a boy crazy girl to now being a wife and a mom. Like, how did that all happen? Kind of tell us your journey uh, there along the way. Well, we serve a very gracious God. And so I remember for years feeling like I was the only one out there who was obsessed with the opposite sex and hopelessly crazy. And um, I really didn't know where to turn. And so I remember asking God for probably five years before he actually dropped the opportunity in my lap, if someday I could be healed enough and have enough answers and experience to be able to write a book to help other people who had similar struggles. And The Lord must have laid that on my heart because I have certainly found since writing it that so many people relate to this and are like, I'm so glad to know I'm not the only one. (laughs) Yes, for sure. And then actually in God's kindness years later, um, I met my husband through the book as well. That is so incredible. I was reaching out to bloggers asking if they could review the book in exchange for a free copy. And we just happened to like cross paths on Twitter at the time. And I sent him a book and he wrote a great review and just kind of continued from there. 
That is such an incredible story. I love how unique God is in bringing people across our paths and just writing our stories. Like you, you probably never thought that you would meet your husband on Twitter, right? Like, no, no. Like who actually thinks that? But God is so incredible at just writing these stories that we never would have dreamed of or imagined. And that's just so encouraging, really, that he can work in ways that we wouldn't really anticipate. So I love that. And yeah, so is there like kind of going back to like the content of, of your book, going back to your younger years when you were really struggling with um, those those struggles, those emotions, you know, being just really um, like your title says, boy crazy. Like, uh, is there a particular story or instance that you feel really encapsulates your mindset at the time and just kind of uh, dive into your your life there, your emotions and, and perspective at the time? I think it looked different at different seasons. So in my early teens, there was a period where I had a non-Christian boyfriend and was dating him behind my parents' backs. And whenever I learned the hard way that he really only wanted one thing and I wasn't willing to give that to him, mm-hmm. um, I really kind of decided, you know what, I'm going to do the God thing. And um, I'm I'm not going to date non-Christians. I'm not going to like be physical with them, whatever. But my heart, I saw, was really no different. And I was just always trapped in this endless cycle of spotting a cute guy and then doing whatever it took to get him to notice me. Mm-hmm. And then um, when he didn't give me the attention that I was looking for, then I would get over him by hating him, mm-hmm. um, which... That's not very Christian, right? Like, <laughs> right. Um, and then I would take all those supposed affections that I had for him and I just transfer them to the next cute guy I saw. It, it really makes me think of this proverb that says, desire without knowledge is not good. And I had just all this hungry desire and it almost didn't matter who the guy was. I was just looking for someone to affirm me and build me up. Um, you did ask for some embarrassing stories. So the one I always <laughs> the one I always think of first, it's kind of humorous, but um, I was in college and the guys kind of goaded me to um, swallow a goldfish live. Oh and my word. <laughs> I did it. And you did I, it. Oh wow. I did it. Of course I did it. And I don't know why I thought that would make me appealing to them. Maybe because I'm so daring and courageous. But um, it was a pretty gross experience, and it did not yield a boyfriend. Oh, too bad. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. What were those guys thinking? Um, and then I also just think of a couple of journal entries. I have my book here, and um, if you don't mind, I'll turn to one. I would love to hear some. I love journal entries. I'm a huge journaler myself, so I love uh, hearing other people's journaling experiences. Yeah, it's so funny because I never would have thought I would be sharing these with the world, but there you go. Um, So here's just one. It's from college, and I think it just shows just how quickly I would start to hate a guy just to supposedly guard my heart. Mm -hmm. So I wrote, I put a picture in Kevin's mailbox with a compliment I'd heard about him. That night, I brought my pictures to supper to show him. I think I'd just gone on like a overseas trip or something. Mm-hmm. I casually asked who he'd invited to the junior-senior banquet. I could feel my smile and movements freeze as he told me her name is Alicia. She's very popular. 
My heart went cold. He kept making corny jokes while looking at my photo album. I told him he was annoying. I had already begun hating him, the only way I knew to recover my heart. I was dull and numb the whole night and went to bed with no hope. Wow, what what that that is a picture of that longing that is, you know, deferred and how we can fall into wrong responses from that. But mm-hmm. looking back on that now, like what have you learned from from that instance and uh, how did you eventually like break out of that cycle? Well, let me jump in on just kind of how I got out of that cycle. And it's going to be through a story about a dead guy and a diet. So um, <laughs> I happened to hear this sermon from an old dead guy named Thomas Chalmers, and it was called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. And basically, he was saying, you can't trick yourself out of loving what you love. And I'm like, yes, I know. I've been trying for years. <laughs> and he's like, instead, you can find something or someone even more lovely. Um, and that desire and affection will push out your old affection. And um, I felt like I saw that happen in a, a very tangible picture um, one month when I had health issues and the doctor said, hey, we're going to put you on a strict diet. We're going to give you no sugar, no bread for a month. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to die. Like I am sugar queen. Oh yes. I, I relate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought I'd be like dreaming and drooling over ice sugar cookies and nerds and wildberry Skittles. Those are a few of my favorites. But instead, what happened is I went to a health food store that I had never been to. I bought this massive health food cookbook, and I started spending hours in the kitchen. And I started making these vegetable dishes, and I never knew that vegetables could taste so good. And I actually (laughs) found myself losing that desire for sugar over that month. Yeah. And so I feel like that's such a picture of how God created us for himself and he satisfies us in a way that no human can. Um, But it takes lots of time and energy and work to not just hear someone say that and be like, okay, well, I'll take them at their word, but to actually be willing to put in the time to find out for myself is God really this good? Is he really this beautiful? I know that I can relate to your examples, and I'm sure that many other people can, because we all have at at our, at our core a desperate neediness and a desire for attention and affirmation. And we all have that. We all have a craving for love, really. Um, but mm-hmm. the problem is where we direct that craving. You know, do we direct it to to guys or to a relationship, or do we turn and direct that to God and look to Him uh, to satisfy that? But what do you feel is really at the root of just this desperate neediness for attention and affirmation that we all have? And how can we, instead of looking for the wrong things to satisfy that, how can we look to the right things that can satisfy us? Well, I want to be careful in my answer to note that like there are a lot of ancillary issues. I hope I'm using that word correctly. 
um, that might be at play in an individual. Mm-hmm. So, for example, chapter two in my book is dedicated basically to daddy issues oh, because yes. I really feel mm-hmm. like I, I don't know for the guys in our audience, but at least for the girls, um, I feel like your dad is such a crucial figure. And um, I didn't feel loved by my dad. God has done just such an incredible healing work um, over the years in our relationship. That could be a whole nother podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was a girl, I I felt like just just little things like I spilled my milk and he yelled and I felt like I couldn't make mistakes and I would cry all the time and he'd be like, cut it out. And so I felt like I had to always have it together and not really reveal my true heart and Mm -hmm. just things like that. And so um, I want to say, obviously, there are a lot of issues and, and I would actually recommend like biblical counseling for anybody and everybody. Um, but at the root, ultimately, like if we're just looking at scripture, the first commandment is God says to us, um, you shall have no other gods before me. And that G is a little G God. Um, Mm -hmm. it's a little G. So it's really referring to any good thing that, um, because of sin and how thoroughly it has corrupted us, we take that and we look to it to ultimately satisfy us instead of looking to our creator. Um, it's kind of that Romans 1 passage where God is saying, like, I am turning you over to your lust because you have worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator mm-hmm. who's blessed mm-hmm. forever. So ultimately, at the end of the day, it's idolatry. It's because of how thoroughly we've been corrupted by our sin. But mm-hmm. thank the Lord. Um, we have a redeeming God who is very Amen. real and active and saves us out of our sin and our, our pit. Hey friends, we'll dive back into our conversation in just a minute. But first, I have to tell you about our sponsor for today. As some of you might know, I wrote my first book and landed my first publishing contract when I was 18 years old. The revolution was a huge part of my writing journey, but what's more, the help and the guidance that I received from writing experts like our very own Brett Harris or Jaquel Crow Ferris was even more influential. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the Author Conservatory because it's a program designed to give you the help and the guidance that I received, but better. The Author Conservatory is a college alternative program focused on advanced writing craft and entrepreneurship to help you learn the writing and business skills you need to get published and support yourself financially, all from the comfort of your own home. There are both fiction and nonfiction tracks, so it's specifically tailored to what you are passionate about communicating. If you're a young writer who wants to grow in your writing skills and learn what it takes to be a published author, you need to check out the Author Conservatory. Head over to authorconservatory.com to find out all the details and to request a free consultation. Again, that is authorconservatory.com. I really, really appreciate that answer because you bring it back both to the fact that that is a biblical principle, that we all seek these idols in our hearts, that we put other things before God, and that's really at the root. But then I really also appreciate it that you brought up that there is other things in our lives and our circumstances that lead us to have relational wounds or just 
just insecurities. And I think that I know I can relate to that. I know I've talked to so many other people that can relate to those same kind of issues, those same hurts from our childhood or from other, other relationships. And so I really appreciate that you both acknowledge that those things are real and they are hard, but that really the deepest root of it is that we place other things above God when God alone can really fulfill and satisfy those longings, that need that we all have. So that is such an encouraging answer though, because if the need that we have is God, then that is a need that can be fulfilled through God. So I know we've all heard that Christ is the only one that can satisfy us, that, you know, look to God before you look to a relationship. And we all agree that that is true, but it's a lot harder to actually live out. It's easy to say, but harder to actually do on a day-by-day basis. So how do we actually live that out? How do we actually look to Christ first to satisfy us? And what is that What does that really mean? Um, Such a great question, Sarah. And the subtitle of this book is On Her Journey from Neediness to Freedom, because it is such a journey. And so one thing I would want to say Mm -hmm. is just God is so patient with us. It blows my mind how patient he is. Amen. And so just a reminder to be gentle and patient with ourselves as he is with us. And um then just, it's nothing new, but just um, we have this continual need to repent and believe, repent and believe all day long, every single mm-hmm. moment. Um, you know, these little G-gods that we create in the form maybe of a relationship that we long for. Um, I just think of how the Israelites in the Old Testament, they would set up these idols and then some judge would come along and help them tear them down and they would turn back to God. And the next thing you know, they're building up another idol to worship. And so I so resonate Mm -hmm. with that in my life to this day. And um, it's just a continual coming back to Christ, being so grateful that he is not like us, because if he were like us, he would have uh, given up on us long ago. So yeah, and then a a prayer that I still pray today that I prayed as a single regularly is from Psalm 90. God, satisfy me in the morning with your steadfast love that I may rejoice and be glad all the day. Um, And so I still, even as a married woman, desperately need uh, God to satisfy my heart. But that's not something that just happens magically. It doesn't mean that it's all on him and he just needs to do that. It means that, you know, I have to make sacrifices in prioritizing spending quality time with him, um, thinking about him constantly the way I would think constantly about a crush. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing new and groundbreaking. Just got to just get in the trenches yeah. and do what we know we need to do. Yes. I love that you really bring it down to like the gospel, you know, repent and believe. That is the core message of the gospel. And so really that's what we all need, right? We all need the gospel of Jesus Christ that can radically change us and transform us and really rescue us from this cycle of, of sin and idol making that we all go through every single day. And the gospel is, is the foundation 
and it's just such a a daily truth that we need to preach to ourselves every single day. You know, I often think you, we talk about preaching the gospel to others, but we need to preach the gospel to ourselves because we have hearts that so often forget. Absolutely. And we need to remember. Absolutely. We need to remember. Yeah. Just, just a basic reminder is Jesus loves sinners. He loves Amen. you, even in your neediness <laughs> and your mess. Oh, that is so encouraging to my heart. Like, I know I need to hear that on a daily basis. Right. Me too. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So what are like a few practical things that we can do to, to preach the gospel to ourselves, to focus on Christ on a regular basis? What are like just uh, practical action steps that we can all pull out and do every single day? One thing I would say is If you are listening to this and you are still single, I remember how crazy busy I felt as a single and just thought like, oh, if I could just get married and have someone help me with life, then I would have more time. And I found it to be actually opposite. Um, With marriage, kids come and more housework and more food prep and more laundry. And so I just want to encourage you if you are single to take advantage of the opportunity you have for quality time with God um, and with his mm-hmm. people. And I would encourage you not to do what I did as a single and to just pack every night so full. I feel like I just thought I had to constantly be serving. And there is just something to silence and stillness and sitting with God, um, studying who he is journaling and processing your pains and your longings with him. Um, So take advantage of that time, even when you feel like you don't have it. Um, Something else I would encourage you is in my season of life currently as a wife and a mom of two toddlers, preschoolers, um, the church has become such an incredible place for me. Um, As a single, I feel like A lot of the time it was a place of deep, deep longing because I would look around and I would see um, all these what looked like to me happy families. I now know that (laughs) what you see is not often the reality behind the scenes. There's there's so much more trouble um, than we Mm -hmm. see on a Sunday morning. But um, now I come and I'm like, this is almost like me as a mom. I have to cook meal after meal after meal continually so my family can meet. But on Sundays, it's almost as if I'm being brought to a buffet and someone has prepared a meal for me. And so Mm -hmm. I just want to encourage you. I think if you're anything like me as a single, you can feel like it's all up to you to exercise all these spiritual disciplines and get to know God for yourself as kind of this solitary experience. And I, I really don't think that's how God designed it. So Please, if you're not already, become a member of a local church, go to small group, um, you know, go go sit on the front row on Sunday and take notes and um, meditate on it throughout the week. Um, you're not alone in this. Yeah, I mean, I could keep going, but I don't think I'm going to share anything that you guys probably don't already know. <laughs> well, hey, we need the reminders, though, of, of just, you know, what might seem basic, we need those reminders because mm-hmm. so often, like I just said, you know, we forget. We forget where we should look to for our satisfaction. We sh- we forget the importance of being connected with the body of believers. We forget why God designed the church, and we forget that it makes such an impact. So yeah. those basic reminders are so good and so helpful. And you kind of 
uh, hinted at this just a little bit, but this message of seeking God first and finding our satisfaction in Him, it doesn't end when you enter a relationship, when you get engaged, when you get Mm -hmm. married. You know, it's a continual thing. We have to, regardless of our relationship status, continue to look to God first to satisfy us because that longing for love, it doesn't end when we have a ring on our finger. It doesn't end when we experience the wedding. It doesn't end from experiencing infatuation. It doesn't end all through any of those things. We still need Christ every single day of our lives, regardless of our relationship status. Absolutely. Um, But how we go about seeking Christ might look a little bit different. You know, if you're single, it might look different than if you're married. Um, you know, the ba- the same the same need is there, but we have maybe different pitfalls that we need to be careful to avoid in our different uh, life seasons. So how have you seen that change uh, as you went from single to dating, engaged, married? And how have you continued to look to Christ through these different life seasons that you've had? Yeah, I mean, you're spot on, and I see how I have brought so much of my neediness into my marriage um, as far as being incredibly sensitive and um, hurt over little things, reading into things. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, it's amazing how much the world's idea about love and a relationship pervades us. And we might feel like, oh, we're fairly like mature Christians, but you know, at the end of the day, I did enter marriage still looking to feel loved and affirmed and wanting continual affirmation. God has designed us when we are keeping the whole law, when we are abiding in him to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Jesus summed up all the law and the prophets with those two things. And I just Mm -hmm. see how the Lord both in singleness and in marriage is um, through our pain and our heartache, freeing us from this just self-centered, self-absorbed, needy existence to one of knowing his love and being rooted and grounded in, in it, and then extending that love to our spouse or um, our crush or our neighbor or our em- employees, employer. So I definitely see a lot of the same themes. It just looks slightly different now than it did before. That is so wise that we need to be continuing, you know, continuing this pursuit of Christ and not thinking that it's going to end when we enter a relationship. I feel like I've uh, fallen into the mindset before that as soon as I enter a relationship or get married or whatever, I will suddenly be perfect. And I won't have these issues anymore. Like marriage will fix me, but Mm -hmm. it won't. Mm -hmm. We will bring our sin into that. We'll bring our issues, our hurts, our wounds into those things, which is why our pursuit of Christ can never, ever stop. It's a continual, continual journey. Yeah. I remember thinking I was going to crush it as a new wife. I was like, oh, this man is so lucky. And um I have I have learned that just as in our relationship with God, um, in the marriage relationship, like it's not about performance. It's really about being known in all of our mess and our sin and being 
loved and committed to in in the midst of that 100% open, vulnerable knowing. Yes. None of us have perfection to bring to the table anyway. So that's such a, a beautiful thing there that it's about being known even in our in our mess mm-hmm. and our sin. Mm-hmm. So yes, that that's so beautiful. Um, so what have you learned from this journey from marriage and just from the years that you've had of seeking God and walking with him that you wish you could go back right now and tell your single self? I think I would go back and tell my single self kind of the main thing I'm trying to convince people of in my book is that you can trust God with your love life. That doesn't mean it's going to be a smooth ride, like buckle up for the ride. It's going to be a ride. But um, he is so trustworthy. And I don't think I probably would have believed myself. I mean, you sometimes you have to learn the hard way, but regardless <laughs> of the situation, whether it's your love life or whether it is um, your job, um, God can be trusted. He is sovereign and he is good. And like you were talking about earlier, he writes beautiful stories. He does. That is such an encouraging word. Uh, Thank you, Paula. Just this conversation has been such a huge, tremendous blessing to me personally. And just all of your wisdom and all the things that you've learned. Thank you so much for, for your heart for God and for being willing to share your mistakes and the things where you've got wrong, but how you've learned and grown uh, through those things. That's that's such an encouragement to me. And uh, I just so appreciate your focus of of looking to God first. I know I need that reminder all the time. And I just love to see you walking that out uh, imperfectly, but still seeking to walk it out every single day. That's such a blessing. Uh, is there any last thing that you'd like to share, uh, with the people listening? Um, and of course people, I want to know how people can connect with you after this conversation, how they can get a hold of your book and, uh, just learn more about you. Let me think about your first question. As far as connecting with me, my, I, I appreciate you asking Sarah, and I really appreciate the opportunity just to share, um, my website is paularights.com. So P-A-U-L-A-W-R-I-T-E-S. And there's three things that you could do there. Um, you could hit subscribe and sign up for my newsletters. I, I would just show up in your inbox twice a month with just some encouragement. Um, you could get my book. It's available on Amazon and different places. And I would love that if you wanted to just read more of my journal entries and hopefully be encouraged through um, my journey. And then you could also, there's a blog there and you could click on probably especially the boy crazy tab. And then you'll just have a lot of content that you can read there for free. And I would love to connect with you and hear your story. I definitely encourage all of you to go ahead and check out Paula's blog because I have read the archives and there is a gold mine of wisdom in her blog. So uh, go check out her blog, pick up a copy of her book. I read it years ago, but I feel like I need to grab this book again and give it a reread. Um, So uh, I hope you all connect with Paula and just thank you again so much for joining me today. This has been so so encouraging to me, filled with so much wisdom. I really appreciate uh, all the truth that you've shared today, Paula. So 
thank you so much. And I just pray God's blessing over you and your family in the days and months to come and all of your future ministry. So thank you so much. Thank you, friend. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Do Hard Things with Revolution. I hope it was encouraging and insightful to you. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss any of our content and to leave us a review. Reviews truly make all the difference in helping us to get this content into the hands of more people. And don't forget that we want to answer your questions on the show. So do you have a question about doing life as a Christian teen, faith, theology, culture, or relationships, you name it, we want to talk about it. So head over to therevolution.com backslash podcast and submit your question in the form there, and we may just be able to answer it on the show. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Do Hard Things with the Revolution, and we'll talk to you again soon. Hey, this is Brett Harris, author of Do Hard Things and founder of The Revolution. Are you a Christian student who loves writing but think it could never go anywhere because you've been told young people can't get published and writers don't make any money? Well, you've been told wrong. I published my first book as a teenager and have sold around 700,000 copies of my books over the course of my writing career. Over the last decade, I've served as a mentor and coach to many of the world's top young writers and authors, including people you might know like Sarah Barrett and Jaquel Crow. If writing is your passion, I'd love to work with you as well through The Author Conservatory, a three-year college alternative for both fiction and nonfiction writers. Just visit www.authorconservatory.com to learn more and apply for a free consultation. That's www.authorconservatory.com.